Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. I hope everyone had a fantastic Thanksgiving. What's today? It is Tuesday, November 28th, and everyone had their gobble-gobble on, and now we are looking forward to Christmas. Joy to the world, Christmas here. <laughs> you know, I have to be honest though. If you're like me, you get extremely stressed out when the holidays come around. From November all the way to like February is the most times where we spend the most money. And I get it. It's a place of, well, not a place, but it's a time of love and happiness and being together and spreading the holiday cheer and gifts and everything else. And you're like, uh oh, you open up your wallet. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing in it. It's just a little, uh, a little fly, just fl- not a fly, a butterfly, just fluttering out and whatnot. And y- you know that meme with the character from like Pulp Fiction, and when something is empty, and then you just see the uh, John Travolta's character where he's like looking around. He's like, well, where? where? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel like. But nevertheless, I am actually looking forward to it. Next weekend is my one-year anniversary with my, you know, butt-butt Sasha. And uh, she's doing very, very well. And we're doing very, very well. We're happy together. And there's that. You know, and it's another thing. December, like literally half of it, I am booked with so much stuff. Because not only do I have voiceover stuff to do but I'm also traveling around and I'm sure as you remember if you forgot I am moving to North Carolina and it's most likely going to be within the next month I'd say in a couple of weeks I'm going to be traveling down to look at apartments look at what is good what I can fit into my budget and just moving on moving on forward with my life and living that entrepreneurial spirit, living that entrepreneurial lifestyle, you know, where I can be free and be happy and actually be spacious and not be trapped in anything that I want to do. So there's that. And uh, oh my goodness, it's just December is just an interesting month to just buy and just we're 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 never slowing down. We're always busy, even though it should be a time to like relax and everything else. We're always freaking busy. Ah, but in any case, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up, the holiday cheers and everything else, and then New Year's and then Valentine's Day and then so much things to look forward to. But if you're like me, you'll handle every challenge that comes your way. And that's all there is to say about that. Now, moving on to the comic book news of the day, we actually had a few things I didn't record a podcast episode because there wasn't really anything major going on during the morning. And then all I have to do is just wait in the afternoon and then boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, Michael Waldron 
is now the writer for both Avengers Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. And if you don't remember who that is, he's essentially the writer for... Or is he the writer? No, it was Sam Raimi who's the director for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. And he is the writer of that movie as well. And then after that, we got Taika Waititi saying that he joined the MCU for money. He was broke. He just had a second kid. And he really never wanted to do it in the first place. Hmm. And I just got a question. My skeptical hippo eyes is just showing right now. And I just have to question... Why are we bringing this up now? Well, like, well, why is he, you know, essentially moving away from the MCU in, in total? And then on top of that, we'll go into our Invincible review. It's a quick review, but, you know, something to talk about. And I binge-watched the four episodes over the weekend. And I have to say, I enjoyed it. And I can't wait to see what the second half of the, you know, it's a mid-season thing. Can't wait to see what the second half is going to bring for our beloved characters in Invincible. All of that and maybe some other stuff to talk to. But first, like I have mentioned before, we are on YouTube. So go to Voice of Garcia, hit that like, hit that subscribe button. We are on YouTube. Yes, my video is not shown in terms of me talking about this podcast, but I do end up doing short comic reactions where I do talk about it in like a Chael Sonnen type lifestyle from the UFC, from MMA, and I'm just giving my reactions. So please, please, it helps me out tremendously. Go to Voice of Garcia on YouTube. You get to see my beautiful, ugly mug. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like. Hit that share. Let's beat this algorithm and let's continue to do what we want to do. And that is talk about comic book news, games, shows, whatever the case may be. You know what to do. Once again, go to Voice of Garcia and then hit that like and subscribe button. It's all. You, it's, it just takes a couple of seconds. That's all you got to do. <laughs> let's not beat it around the bush let's talk about what we're going to talk about so michael waldron now is going to be the writer for both avengers kang dynasty and secret wars now at first this doesn't really say that avengers kang dynasty is still going to happen we still need to find out what happens with the trial thing on what's happening with the main actor for some odd reason, I keep on forgetting his name. I want to say Jeremy, but it's Jeffrey. And I don't know why I keep forgetting his freaking name. It's like it's like one of those things where you're like, okay, this guy is not really relevant. But it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's just find out exactly what his real name is. Because I, I, oh my goodness, let me just look this up. I, I feel like I'm always getting stumbled every time when I talk about a, a character's name or a person's name or whatever the case may be. Here, Jonathan Majors, Jeffrey. Where the hell did I come up with Jeffrey? <laughs> it's early, guys. It's early. But anyway, we still need to find out what happens with Jonathan Majors' you know, legal situation, especially with the whole domestic violence and the domestic abuse type of thing. So it doesn't really confirm whether Avengers Kang Dynasty is still going forward or not. But what's very interesting to me is the writer for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which I will admit got torn to shreds by a lot of people, myself included. You know, I'm not shying away from that, myself included. 
And that should have been better. It should have been something great. And instead we got a heap mesh of what we've gotten directed by the awesome Sam Raimi. And not only is he writing that, but he's writing Secret Wars. Which means this dude has a tremendous task under his belt. It is going to be... I tweeted, or I X'd. I don't know if you want to say that directly. I tweeted, "This it is what it is. Because this is either going to be very good or this is going to suck. And there's no in-betweens on that. Now, that was my initial thought. And then I remembered, okay, well, not every writer, even with their strong credibility, whether they have you know, strong experience or strong credibility or not, not every writer is going to make a magnificent movie. Writing a movie is hard. I know because I've had experience writing uh, just a lengthy movie, not a lengthy movie, but a short movie. It's hard. It's extremely difficult. And he does have the credibility to back him up. But you can't deny what Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness has actually given us. And then I remembered, oh, wait, this was, in a way, written and directed first by Scott Derrickson. And if you remember, during the time, especially when COVID was happening, there was a lot of creative differences between that main guy, Scott Derrickson, and the studios. So when Michael Waldron took over the project and Sam Raimi took over the project to direct the movie, they were working with something that was never really their vision to begin with, if you truly think about it. And even if Michael Waldron did end up writing it first, chances are he had to do a lot of rewrites because the studios wanted to go into a different direction. You know who that reminds me of? Joss Whedon. When DC Studios got Joss Whedon from the Avengers from Marvel Studios and brought him in and essentially reworked Zack Snyder's vision of what the Justice League would do, he was working with a vision that was never really his to begin with. And then he ended up getting the script and he ended up rewriting so, many, so much stuff and he ended up redirecting so much stuff and then we got the mess of the movie that we've gotten. And I want to say in some capacity, even though this is me giving a pass at him, on him, that this is essentially the same situation of what's going on with the Multiverse of Madness. So I will say, I will say that everyone is due one bad egg every now and then. Because we're going to talk about that with the Taika Waititi situation, but everyone is allowed one bad egg. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad writer. It's just we, the fans of Marvel, the fans of superhero content in general, the problem is we hold these actors and these writers to such a high standard where once they do something wrong, we turn on him. And like I said, I am guilty of that. I shouldn't be, but I do. And I know you do too, as so many others as well. It's a terrible thing that we do. We hold them to such a high standard where we think that they can do no wrong because we've seen great work from them before. So when it comes to writing a movie like this within the MCU, like, can we really blame them for taking someone else's work and then trying to rewrite it and remake it in their own image? I mean, 
was it the best movie? No. Was it an absolute shitstorm? No. There was other stuff that was worse than it, and I enjoyed it to some capacity. I love Elizabeth Olsen. I love the Scarlet Witch character. The whole thing with America Chavez, uh, uh, I thought for sure they were going to make the evil Doctor Strange the villain. I thought for sure that was going to happen because we saw a glimpse of that in the fourth episode with Marvel's What If. And I thought, okay, take that and then just put it in a movie. They didn't do that. So we got what we got. Not to mention, if you remember, Michael Waldron also, also, also wrote and made the Loki series. I'm sure he co-written it with someone else. I forgot who that was. But he also made the Loki series. And by public opinion, Loki is deemed one of the best MCU shows ever made. So it's not like this guy doesn't have talent and he doesn't have, again, he doesn't have strong credibility. He does. But the thing is, when it comes to Avengers Kang Dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, bro, I am so glad that we are getting a year off from Marvel completely, not completely, but the MCU, and we're only getting one movie next year because this is going to give him time to literally make a plan from start to finish and then work on the redrafts and then work on the reshoots if there is any and the rewrites if there is any and what can be given is what can be given. And I have to say, if he's writing for Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, chances are, I believe, maybe, Sam Raimi might direct those movies too. It's not 100% confirmed yet, but that's who I'm wishing. The only thing I want out of the end of the day, let them cook. No studio interference, no studios with test screen, well, Obviously, there are test screenings. That's unavoidable. But no, oh, we have to reshoot this entire thing because the public opinion is going to hate us. Guys, no political bullshit. No spreading the message. None of that. Just make a cohesive, strong storytelling movie. That's what we want at the end of the day. That's what we want. I'm sure we can ask for tons of directors and tons of writers to write us something better. But unfortunately, we can only get so much. We can only do so much. We have to work with what is given us. So I will say, let them cook. Let them cook and then we'll see what happens. And God only knows how the final product is going to be when it comes to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. I know a lot of you are not looking forward to it because of what's been going on with Marvel Phase 4 and Phase 5 lately. And I know this is my naive mindset to even to be talking about this, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, I'm still a fan, and I want them to succeed. I want this studio, this franchise to succeed. Is there anything wrong with that? No. So, to put that in a bow, Michael Waldron, congratulations. Get to working. Get to cooking. Get to doing. So, we'll see with that. We're going to take a small break. We're going to come back with Taika Waititi joining the MCU just for the money. We'll be right back right after this.
here are excerpts from Variety. And it's about Taika Waititi and his response to the Thor movies, or the MCU in general. Taika Waititi had no interest in directing a Marvel movie, took Thor Ragnarok because he was poor, and it was a great opportunity to feed his kids. This continues. You know what? I had no interest in doing one of those films. It wasn't on my plan for my career as an auteur. But I was poor, and I just had a second child. And I thought, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to feed these children. And Thor, let's face it, it was probably the least popular franchise. I never read Thor comics as a kid. That was the comic I'd pick up and be like, ugh. And then I did some research on it. And I read one Thor comic or 18 pages, or however long they are. I was still baffled by this character. When asked if Marvel executives were scared to bring him in, Waititi answered, I think there was no place for them to go with that. I thought, well, they've called me in. This is really the bottom of the barrel. Now, there's a lot of ways that you could take what he just said and literally deconstruct this however way you see fit. And I know it's up to the person's discretion whenever they hear something like this. Let's be honest here. Everything we do is for money because we have to feed ourselves, we have to support ourselves, we have to support our families. That's the way of life. When you hear something like this, what goes through your mind? Is it reason? Is it sympathy? Is it a little bit of anger because of what Thor Love and Thunder has given us? And it could be a combination of a lot of things. I always say that you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes in order to understand what they're truly going through. And I have no doubt that he's actually telling the truth about this. After Thor Love and Thunder... People tore him to shreds. And like I said, what I said earlier about the Michael Waldron thing, I am one of them. And as I said before, and I'm going to continue to repeat it, we hold writers and directors to high standards. And why wouldn't we? They're in Hollywood. They're professionals. They're making thousands, millions of dollars doing what they do. Now, obviously, due to the writer's strike and the SAG strike and everything else, it turns out they weren't getting paid as much. But you get the point here. They're getting paid a lot of money to do what they do. In some capacity. So, it's not unreasonable for us to hold them to such a high standard. And as I said earlier, everyone is due a bad egg. Now, is this me taking back everything that I said about the guy? Not really. I mean, depending on what you want to talk or what you want to say or what the narrative is. In my opinion, that movie was a train wreck. It was him dialed to 11 and maybe you can chalk it up to pressure from Marvel Studios. Maybe you could chalk it up to his imaginative mindset where he really wanted to control every single thing from start to finish. And maybe there wasn't a person in his inner circle to hold him back and be like, you know what? This is not working. Let's do this instead. 
Who the hell knows what goes on behind the scenes? We're not there. We can only speculate. We can only judge on what a movie is given in front of us. But when I hear something like this, when I read something like this, I get it. You take a character that a lot of people don't know. I mean, from Thor The Dark World, Thor 2, deemed as one of the worst movies that Marvel has given us. You're taking a character from that and have to basically restructure it in a very, very different direction. Then you gave us Thor Ragnarok, one of the best movies that the MCU has given us. That was under Taika Waititi. We praised him for it. Thor Love and Thunder happened, and then we're like, what happened? What the hell happened? And now he's slowly turning away from the MCU. He's not returning back for Thor 5, and he is, you know, working on Star Wars movies. I'm not a fan of Star Wars, so whether this is good news for you or not, that is of no importance to me. I've never been a fan of Star Wars. I never grew up with it as a kid, so to each their own, it is what it is. But I have to say I'm not mad at him for saying things like this. And the fact that he's bringing this up now basically shows that he might truly be done with the MCU, at least for a very long time. The problem is... And John Campia even talked about this on his YouTube channel. Go check him out, by the way. He's a fantastic guy doing what he does. The reality is, when a movie director or writer does something of highest standards, they do one thing wrong. We then turn on them. It's a toxic fan base, if you truly think about it. Not all of us are toxic, but it's a toxic fan base nonetheless. I've been affected by this, and many people have been too. If you can recall, you when you're working in a corporate environment, you could do a hundred great, magnificent, wonderful things. And yet all it takes is that one bad thing for someone like your boss, like your coworkers, your fans, media, whoever. And hell, we see this with social media all the time. That one bad thing. And then people destroy you for it. You get ridiculed. You get canceled. It's happening with Matt Rife right now. Matt Rifle? I'm sure it's Matt Rifle. The, the young comedian. I don't know what the hell happened for people to turn on him. But he does one thing wrong. And then people just destroy him. Another example off the top of my head. Logan Paul. Well, you remember that whole thing with the... With the J- Japan and the the suicide thing of what happened. I don't know the exact details. I can't remember the exact details. But if you heard that story, people turn on him too. And it took him a long time to literally gain the trust back of fans. The reality is, we can be toxic. We, the audience, the fan base, we can be toxic. And when it comes to... Someone like this that was never in it for the right reasons, or maybe he was, but it was for his reasons. And it's not like he's a bad director. He's a fantastic director. I love Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> he, he won an Oscar for that. I lo- I'm sure he did. If I didn't, then, you know, don't, mis- you know, don't ridicule me. I love Jojo Rabbit. I loved What We Do in the Shadows. I love a lot of his work. But the fact is, you do one thing wrong, we punish you for it. 
And I guess we need to try to try to derive away from that. The fact is, certain directors are allowed one bad egg. And we judge them for that moment, but we shouldn't judge them for the rest of their career. We shouldn't. We do this with the kindness of his heart because he wants the support for his family. Who are we to judge? Who are we to ridicule a man that was doing it for his reasons? I don't blame him one bit because we would do the exact same thing. Now, I'm sure there is a part of us that are listening to this and it's like, you know what? No, you have to do this for the passion. You have to do this because you love it. The money only comes after you show your growth. And when you develop a strong community to back you and support you and want you to succeed. I get that. Again, this is going on on social media all the freaking time. But I read this and I go, you know what? I can sympathize. I don't have kids. I do have a family though. I do have a mom and I do have my girlfriend and I do have things that I need to support for myself. So I get it. And I'm sure along the way, as he was directing Thor Ragnarok, when he was working on the production, he found out and he realizes, you know what? This is one of the greatest things that I could have done. Now I love it. And now I'm embracing it. And now I can, I can give something awesome to the fans and, to this, and be part of this beloved franchise. Then Love and Thunder happened and now he's like, you know what? The fans turn on me so quickly. Maybe this is not for me. And it only goes to show of how much directors and writers can get turned off by being a part of the MCU because of the standards, because of the high standards, and because of the fan base, and because of the impossible structure that the Marvel Studios has actually given us for the past 10 years. There's a reason why the Russo brothers are not working on an MCU movie, probably not for a long time. There's a reason why they exited on a high with Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Whatever your discretion is, whatever the narrative that you want to pinpoint here is completely up to you. All I have to say is, Taika, I get it, man. I get it. We still hate Love and Thunder, yes, but now that I'm understanding, I do take back the, a few of the negative things that I've said from the past. I don't remember exactly what I said from the podcast episodes ago, but I get it. I'm human, and I understand. I sympathize. So, however or whatever he does from this point on forward... Do it because you love it. Do it because you're passionate. And then everything else will follow. So I really don't have a moral of the story on this one. But hey, I get it. I get it. We're going to come right back where we will talk a few other things. Especially with Invincible and something responding to the critical drinker. We'll be right back. Ah, Invincible. 
one of my favorite shows to watch. Nearly in contrast with the boys, superheroes that is whether TVMA and rated R and I have to say it's a great show. For those of you that don't know what Invincible is, it is directed and written by Robert Kirkman and it's starring Steven Yeun as Invincible, Mark Grayson, and his father, Nolan Grayson, Omni-Man, voiced by the awesome, talented, and the fantastic J.K. Simmons. <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson himself. Oh my goodness. What I love about this season... No spoilers, by the way. I want you to go see this show. I'm not going to spoil anything. But there will be slight spoilers of season one. So, again, to each their own. What I love about this season, mid-season, by the way, because there's only four episodes with a bonus episode that talks about Adam Eve... Atom Eve. Adam Eve, yes. What I love about the season is the fact that it literally reflects a lot of the terrible decisions that Omni-Man has done in the first season. And it's about the other characters essentially going through grief, learning how to cope, learning how to deal with the situation of what Omni-Man has done. And... There is a certain fear factor on us as human beings becoming like our parents. What happens if our parent or parents has done something so horrible, so abysmal, so horrifying, we turn out to be like that person one day? Whether you believe in nature versus nurture and whether you think that someone or something is easily influenced by violence and other thing else, it really paints a picture where Mark Grayson, Invincible himself, does have a fear of becoming like his dad. Now, maybe the example that I gave was a little bit exaggerated on us turning out to be like our parents because we're not Veltramites, we're not half of an alien species, but... It does pose the question, what, what if our greatest fear is we become our parents in their worst possible way? And what happens to the characters, our loved ones, that are affected by the actions of what we've done? So maybe I'm, <laughs> I know I'm looking way too deep into this. It's only four episodes, but it's a fantastic show to explore. And when you see the mother just drinking wine and going to a not AA meetings but you know group meetings and you have the son trying to cope with what his father has done and you have other characters that are greatly affected by the impact and it's it's just so much to take in it really is but there's a lot of character growth and there's a lot of character progression, especially with one character towards the end that I did not see coming. I did not see coming one bit. And it really, once again, it makes you think, wow, you're rooting for these characters and you want them to succeed. And it's their way of be like, hey, maybe I am this terrible monster or maybe I'm trying so hard not to be. So... I know this is a short review, but goddamn, like this show is fantastic. In addition with the boys and this show, rated TVMA is, is not for the faint of heart. If you're not a fan, again, to each their own, but give it a chance. Give it a chance 
and you'll enjoy it. And I can't wait for the remaining episodes next year. I, I hate this mid-season thing. I do. Season 3. It's not season 3. Episode 3. That 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 hit me. It hit me in the feels. It, it hit me. Ooh, it hit me in the feels. Also, Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime. I'm, he does make an appearance here too. Not Optimus Prime, but the voice of Optimus Prime. He does make an appearance in the show too. So if that doesn't tickle your feather on that one, I don't know what will. If you're a fan of voice acting and awesome voices that you recognize and that you hear. Nevertheless, go watch the show. It's fantastic. The animation is spot on. I love Adam Eve. I love the possibility of what can happen next, especially with the two characters with Omni-Man and Invincible. I love it. Go watch it. Go enjoy it. You'll have fun with it. Before I end this podcast episode... I want to give a quick shout out to Critical Drinker. Critical Drinker, he was on a YouTube channel. And I'm going to say what the YouTube channel is. Because I don't want to butcher this person. And I don't want to feel that... uh, Here we go. What's with modern entertainment with Critical Drinker? And this YouTube guy, his name is YoungRippa59. That's YoungRippa59. So shout out to him. Critical Drinker went on to this podcast episode, and I didn't watch, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did watch a good excerpt, a good portion of it, good portion, a little, little clip, and he talked about Echo. He talked about Echo, and where, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says that there was a lot of production problems going on behind the scenes when it came to Echo, and it's essentially going to be a train wreck. When the show comes out next month. I have to say. There was a huge part of me that was looking forward to the show. Especially since it's now the beginning of Marvel Spotlight. Where they focus on individual characters. And develop their own storylines. And we get more rated TVMA and rated R type shows. Which is what we kind of wanted. Kind of. Which is what we kind of wanted. In addition to, in addition to storytelling and character and everything else. Then I hear him with this, and I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. And once again, this is my naive mindset, and I am naive, especially when it comes to the production of shows. I am. Sue me. It is what it is. I talked about the Echo trailer a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was a very good trailer. Not very good. It was a good, decent trailer. It has Deadpool in it, it has, not Deadpool, Jesus, I'm sorry, it has Daredevil in it, it has Kingpin in it, and the focus is going to be on Maya, Kingpin's surrogate daughter. It caught me a while to think about it, I'm like, wait a minute, wait just a damn minute, after hearing Critical Drinker, am I looking forward to this show because of Echo herself, or am I looking forward to this show Because it has two characters that I absolutely loved from a previous season that was underneath another studio's Marvel Netflix. Am I looking forward to this show because of the violence? Or am I looking forward to the show because of Echo herself? It's kind of the epiphany that I had when it came to She-Hulk. I hate She-Hulk. I... 
I'm not shying away from that. And if you think, oh, well, you're a misogynist, you're just... Shut up. I hate the show. I, I hate it. Poorly directed, poorly written, season finale was abysmal. And all I was looking forward to was Daredevil. And even they nerfed him in some capacity when his episode happened. So it got me thinking, what am I really looking forward to when it comes to Echo? Or am I just giving Echo the chance because these two characters that I love are in it? What Critical Drinker said, in terms of Echo, whether the people behind the scenes really had no confidence or faith in the actress literally taking the show and owning it as her own. In other words, is she good enough to lead the show and become the ultimate character for the show? Is she is she good enough to be the main character of the show? Let me ask you this. How do you feel when I talk about Ironheart having her own show? Silence. Absolutely silence. Because I have no reaction. I don't give a damn. I, I don't care about a discounted Iron Man. I don't care. I don't. And I kind of don't care about Echo either. And yet, I'm looking forward to this show because of two characters that are in it. And if Critical Drinker does say what he said, and I do take his words for merit and promise because he has strong credibility in terms of having connections with people that works in Hollywood. So, if you are looking forward to Echo... I guess I just want to say, try not to get your hopes up too high. At least I'm not. I know, I know, it sucks. And did I ruin your chance of probably enjoying this episode of this, you know, show, this season coming out? Maybe. But you have to think, there's a reason why they're literally dumping all episodes in terms of one release. They don't do that. Disney Plus is, from what I know, Disney Plus has never done that. The only one that does do that is Marvel Netflix. But they have a system that's been working for them for um, Marvel Netflix. Netflix in general, they have a system that has been going for them for years. Disney Plus doesn't do that. There has to be another reason why. And and of, and once again, <laughs> this is me Opening up to the reality where the production of what's been going on with Echo has been going on for quite some time. The production problems. Which is why this show has been delayed so many times. I'm not surprised that this show might turn out to be not as good as we think it is. But I'm still going to watch it and I'll try to enjoy it for the best I can. I I just, uh, I don't know. This is what happens when I listen to other people and they make me have a different narrative opinion over something. But to each their own. That's all I got really got. That's all I got to say about really. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, go to Voice of Garcia. We are on YouTube now. So we are now on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, freaking uh I, I don't know, Google Podcasts, 
freaking Stitcher, everywhere. Wherever you get your audience, audio podcast in your way, do me a favor. Subscribe, like, share, comment. Do what you got to do. Let's beat this algorithm. Let's show ourselves to the world and this great community. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me up. You can go on YouTube yourself and you can put the chat in. Next week, we will come back with more comic book news, game shows, whatever the case may be. And always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.